You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 372. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 372. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Oh! Hello, love. Well, yikes. Okay, so... Mr. Smith does a little countdown right before we start, and it always makes me laugh. This time, he counted down five, four, three, two, one, but he ended up with a one. On his middle finger. That's right. And (laughs) (laughs) with half of a jacket on, it had half a jacket on. So I howdy do to you. (laughs) Well, on that note, everybody, how are you? We are thrilled to bring you another episode today. Thrilled. Just thrilled. Just beyond. And... We're going to be talking about the role that fear has in your life. And okay. we've talked about fear in many different ways, how it's related to your inner critic or how that is related to other emotional intelligence, things like that. But today we're going to focus on the primitive fear responses, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, and how those show up now in our lives because there's there are actually modern iterations to all four of those yeah. and what that what that means for when we feel threatened in our life whether it's the threat of somebody not liking us or i don't know if i'm going to succeed that whole fear of failure fear of success where all of that stuff kind of comes into play so i think i think it'll be good i think so too i'm excited it's a, it's a huge part of just the, the human experience so that's right. It plays a big role. And I there's this thing around being fearless, like this idea that mm. that's the goal. Right. And I we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it after we Let's 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 at, let, let's just not get hold ahead of your ourselves. your horses. That's whoa, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we just yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Why don't we pass the mic to you, Mr. Sen? All right. Right about this time, we do a little segment that we like to call Would you rather? And today's would you rather is, would you rather have a shoulder nipple? Oh. Or a knee nose? From the archives. Yeah, bringing it back. <laughs> That's old. I don't even remember what episode it is. But I, I like thought it. it was a, I like it was a it. good throwback. Well, so I've recycled content and redone episodes and things like that, but I don't think you ever have for... I've, I've done a few. Or maybe one or there's two. There's a few. I'd say there's maybe five that I've recycled. But there's a handful of them that were just so, so fucking I had to bring good. back a classic. This is a classic. This this one was a classic. And the, the reasons why <laughs> are so important. So yes. shoulder, nipple... Shoulder nipple. Or an knee actual, nose. like whatever nipple you have. It looks like yours. It looks like the one you have on your shoulder. Okay. So you have. You, you have can pick the shoulder, I guess. Three total. 
Three total nipples. Oh, and you're going to be nice and generous. They can pick yeah, the yeah, shoulder. Yeah. Okay, my question is, because I remember this from last time. I'm and you can pick see, the knee, too. I'm gonna, oh, thank you. I'm going to see if your answer has changed, your stipulations. I don't even remember. Is it a functional nose? Is it? Can it get like a sinus infection on your knee? No, it's just... It's an just, arbitrary. It's a straight up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like it's cartilage. like a. It's fastidious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So it's not like you would be in a situation where you'd be like, "Oh my gosh, my allergies are acting up on my knee nose." <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be really funny, but it would be really hard to get the passages to yes. from, to that nose, like. Right. You would have to have right. tubes going to your knee, like there's a that's a whole another. We we, we haven't anatomically thought this through. We haven't thought through the pathology at all. Okay, so on the same token, is the nipple on your shoulder is that? Does it produce milk? Is it functioning? Like no. if you got pregs, no, you no, couldn't no, be no. like suckle on my shoulder real quick. That would be interesting, but no. <laughs> I mean, you could just as a pacifier, I guess, but the, you're not going to get any production out of it. Okay, so it's vestigious. I just had this image of somebody sucking on someone's shoulder for pass to pacify. Right, just Crack like ah. Oh. <laughs> just, just, okay. just take a little suckle of this. Well, I believe that my answer has not <laughs> changed. Nipple. I don't think I. I can't remember what you picked. Last I don't remember time. either, to be honest. <laughs> but, but I think I picked shoulder nipple okay. because the knee nose just kind of gets in the way. Like you can't kneel on it. If you wear shorts, it's very obvious. It's like functionally gets in the way. Where a shoulder nipple, you can live with that. It's just but it, more I'm also wondering vanity. if it, if it's cartilage, could you like strap it up with like an ace bandage or something? You could so that it was like flatter. Just smother the hell out of it. <laughs> that poor Nino's. But then also, does it have? I mean, it has to have blood supply. It would be hurt if you fell on your knees. Yeah. It would hurt. It would hurt. For sure. Okay. My answer is I would pick the Ninos. You would? Okay. And I will tell you why. Let me, let, let's hear this. Because I wear sleeveless shirts all the time. Ah. Uh, and you don't wear shorts very often? No. Mm. Hardly ever. So it just looked like a big lump on your knee. And I could wear like cool sundresses and stuff like that and nobody would see it. Got it. But I wouldn't have to have this like... <laughs> shoulder nipple just chilling out there. I think I thought of this one because I had a client that had a third nipple. Stop. I did. And it was under their, like on their side, under their armpit. Okay. And it was a full on nipple. Was it working? No, but it was just, it was like an actual, like sometimes you're like, oh, is that a nipple or is that a mole? Well, this I, was like, oh, there's a nipple. I guess you could also get it pierced, which would be kind of cool. <laughs> You could pierce either one. Maybe just I get a septum ring for my knee nose. Straight up punk. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you could. You could adorn it with whatever you like. Yeah, I'm going to need a septum ring for my Except knee nose. Except you could never have it removed. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's a stipulation so that people I mean, don't. It, kind of unspoken, right? Right. Right. But you could, if you, you could get piercings on either one of them if you would like to. You could. Oh, my gosh. You could do that. What, what about, could you get... Could you get? <laughs> God, I'm cracking myself up. Could you get a tattoo, like on your, like a, a full blown face on your knee? 
then and there's like <laughs> there's like no you totally could or could you make like the that'd be the, amazing actually. the nipple into like a sexy something no no okay so you could get a tattoo of a nipple on your other shoulder <laughs> What about another Nino's on the other knee? You can't. Well, yeah, you could do that, I guess, but that doesn't make sense. I'd rather like tattoo a full on. You can't face. deface it. You can't deface it. I literally can't. Can't, deface I can't it. have a face, but I can have a piercing. You can do anything around it, like tattoo wise, but not on it. Oh yeah, I just want it. I want like eyeballs at the top, mm. and then like a mouth. Would it be like Mr. Potato Head or like? No, <laughs> it would. It would look like a full blown face. Yeah, but what kind of face? Maybe my own. Your own face. <laughs> Your own face on your knee. Oh, so that's the other question. Does the knee nose look like my nose? Um, no, it doesn't have to. Okay. But it could I, be? It could. I, I don't think that matters, does it? Well. It's an average size nose. There's certain noses I would not want to have. It's an average run-of-the-mill, everyday. Everyday average nose. Average run-of-the-mill nose. <laughs> All right. So this segment's gone on way it too It really long. has. It's a good one. I mean, there's a lot of. There's a lot to consider. A lot of loopholes here. There's a lot of things to consider, and we would love to hear what you would rather. And we talk about it every single week over in our After Hours community. After Hours. Which is our Facebook group. You look so creepy when you do that. It's the It's so creepy. <laughs> and Mr. Smith is, has no shirt on either right now, per my request. I was like, I would like for you to do the podcast with no shirt on today. <laughs> and so it's extra I'd, creeps. I do what I can. Yeah. You aim to please. I really appreciate it. So. Good thing this is a radio show. That's right. But. Mm. Oh, here we go. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. TMI. TMI. <laughs> we would like to hear what you would rather. Go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. That redirects you right over to our corner of Facebook. We have an awesome community over there. Everyone is so supportive of one another. I run a really tight ship, so there's no people trying to sell you fucking protein packs or candles or bullshit or whatever. So no keto powders? No keto powders. No nail gel shit. Whatever. Cool. That's good. I like it's it. It's good. Well, you never know in those Facebook groups. People slide in I and know. they look at it as like a marketing opportunity. Mm -hmm. So come hang out with us. I do bonus trainings every month. So if there's additional things you want support on that you really could use some advice around thejoyjunkie.com slash club. Okay, so let's talk about understanding this role of fear in our life going from sort of this primitive defense mechanism that we were wired with and how that has translated into what we experience now. For example, if we are really afraid that somebody doesn't like us or isn't accepting of us or we're afraid of failure or of success or of getting a job or not getting a job, we're usually not in that moment afraid that we're actually going to die. Right. Correct. The way we would be if we were attacked by a mountain lion or in, in, a, a, bar in a, fight. a car accident, a bar fight, if you will. <laughs> So in those situations, it's a very different type of threat that we're feeling. But on a subconscious level, our mind is actually telling us from that lizard brain mentality, you might die. And that's why we respond to these situations with such extremes. Mm. That's why we do panic if we feel like somebody doesn't like us. Or, it's innate in our nature. That's right. right? That's right. 
So I want to give you a couple of just interesting concepts around fear before we jump into the four major fear responses and their modern iterations. And this was something that when I really understood it, it gave me a lot more compassion around what it was that I was experiencing, especially because I've always struggled with anxiety and I didn't realize the tie between modern day anxiety response and primitive fear responses. So I'm hoping that it gives you some fodder for more compassion towards yourself. Okay. So I thought this was really curious. There is only one documented case of somebody who existed without the fear response. Ah, I I remember. It was like a a podcast about her or something, right? I'll see if I can find it and I'll throw it in the show notes. What was it, the name of that podcast? I want to say it was Invisibil- Invisibilia from Invisibilia. NPR. Yeah, I think you're I'll right. see if I can find it, but it was this woman who did not have a fear response and I remember being so enraptured by it because of this idea that we see floated around all the time that fearless is this amazing idea. Now, if you take the semantics of what the word actually is, fearing less, I want to fear less. That's great. Like, let's do it less of the time. I'm on board with that. But the actual word fearless is without fear, which is not something that is really worth aspiring to because it doesn't exist except for this one particular woman. Well, I think it's also necessary. Exactly. (laughs) Right? Some fear is necessary. Which is interesting that you say that because one of the things that they were talking about in there, if I'm remembering it correctly, was that she would almost walk out in front of traffic Mm because there was no registering that that is danger. Right. And so she had to really work on, okay, that's a dangerous situation. I can't just walk in front of a car or I can't just put myself in harm's way, even though her physiological response was not there. That's so crazy. So for the rest of us, I'm assuming you are not she. I am not she. For the rest of us, we have to contend with fear. And this is something that I talk about in my work with my students in Deep Down and Dirty, which is my my primary program that I teach, instead of shooting for this idea of f- – idea – I said idea. You did. <laughs> I, I caught myself. I was like, I was like wow. Got- <laughs> shoot for this idea. This here idea. <laughs> like, um, he's turned southern I've been fast. in the south a little too long. Instead of shooting for this idea of being fearless, what if we were to be fear-optimized? The idea behind optimization is to make as useful or productive as possible. What if we optimize our fear? Mm. And really all that that means is to behave from a place of courage. We cannot be courageous unless fear is there. Yeah. So if we want to be a courageous, brave individual, we have to contend with fear. Sure. So it's it's a positive spin on looking at the fear in our life that, okay, yeah, this is shitty. This is scary. It's hard. But it's also my opportunity to be fear optimized. It's my opportunity to be courageous. Mm -hmm. And to your point, too, what you were saying about it's necessary, it absolutely is. It is what keeps us safe. Yes. That is why we are wired with these various fear responses. 
And that is, okay, human, if you are in danger, here are some of the avenues you can take to stay alive. Right. And understanding that, when I really got to the bottom of that and found out about sort of our primitive makeup in that way, I kind of went, oh, oh, okay, I get why you're scared. Oh, okay. And I could just be just a little more kind to myself of, oh, of course, of course you, you're afraid of that. And I think we've even talked about this before. There's a handful of things that are have evolved with us as humans that we no longer need, right? Like there's – The appendix. Yeah, speculation about the appendix, if that's even a relevant thing for us to even have anymore. Or the issue with our fingers when they prune up whenever we've been in water for too long initially was so that we could grip slippery surfaces a little bit easier. It was sort of an evolutionary technique for us to survive. We don't really need to do that anymore, right? Like we have yeah, homes. it and comes in handy, I'm sure, but not, not for most of us, not a necessity. Not, not for survival necessarily right. the way it could have been in, in days of old. But speaking of sort of our primitive makeup – I found this hugely fascinating. I learned this when I was getting my hypnotherapy certification. We are born with two primary fears. Do you know what they are? I think we've talked about this. Do you know what they are? Mm, I didn't know I was going to get quizzed. You could even guess. I don't. I don't know. So the two fears that we are born with are the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Oh, okay. I would have said fire. Oh, really? Yeah, but I guess that's not true. Like, everybody's I think I touched a hot stove before, right? I did. I, I touched an iron. I remember mm. when I was like five and I had those iron holes uh -huh. like, imprinted on my hand. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but every single thing beyond that is learned. It's not something that we are actually born with. Huh. I think I would have said a fear of dying, like something more general. Like we're yeah. just afraid of dying, sure. but it's more specific than that because falling and loud noises could indicate threat in some way, right? So we're sure. always working to stay alive. So we're not usually dealing with fear, as I mentioned, in terms of saving our life or not, but we are dealing with fear because we are always registering some kind of threat. So, for example, if somebody is at our workplace yelling and screaming at us, our mind registers that as I am being threatened. Your sympathetic nervous system engages. Engages, right? There's something that's happening here. I think even when we are afraid of not being able to pay a bill or afraid about finances, that kicks in and we kind of go, oh, my gosh, we're starting to get that fear response. Sure. What am I going to do about this? Because there's this feeling of I'm being threatened. Now, even though the impetus behind all of that is a fear of actual demise, of death, I'm not saying that what we're experiencing registers consciously where we go, I can't pay this bill, I might die. We don't consciously do that. Yeah. But that's what's actually running that nervous system. Right. Okay. That's what's running those responses. Okay. All right. 
So the other thing that I wanted to mention too is even if we look at something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which we've talked about before, one of the kind of middle layers of basic human need is the sense of a need for love and belonging. And that stems from times back in the day where if you did not belong to some kind of group, that meant you would die. That meant impending doom. You could not break away from the tribe. Alone that death. Yeah. Exactly. So being connected, being a part of that uh, community was it really became this formative part of our needs. Sure. Right? So that also can lend itself towards no wonder we care so much about what other people think. Well, I think that's one. We watched a documentary on social media platforms, and they were talking about this very thing and how the whole algorithm is built around just that. Around belonging. Around belonging, community, getting liked. Um, yeah. Uh, having people. Approval. Uh, yeah, approval. Yeah. Yep. Approval addiction is for sure a thing. For sure. Absolutely. So, and we'll we'll link to that in the show notes. I think it was, was it called The Social Dilemma? Social Dilemma on, on Netflix. On Netflix, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. That fascinating, was a fascinating documentary. documentary. Yeah. I didn't catch. You're going to need to not stretch out like that because that is so distracting. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you piece of ass. <laughs> Wow, getting called out. I'm I'm focusing on my primitive my primitive <laughs> needs, my basic surface level needs. We might need to just pause the podcast, handle business. Your aunt listens to this. We need to hi Twyla again. Oh my god! Wow, fuck. Where was I? Okay, so wow. social dilemma. We will. <laughs> no, I'm all red. You're all red. Oh. If you go to the show notes, I'll make sure that we put a link to that in the show notes so you can check it out. But that really is something that can aid in understanding why it's so concerning if your in-laws don't accept you or if you go into a new work environment and you're not sure if your coworkers like you. There is a reason behind that. And so I think there's a way to be really compassionate with yourself and also recognize that if you don't have that approval, if they don't like you, it might hurt. There might be an emotional sensation that you experience, but it doesn't have to mean you're going to die. So you're saying there's a separation that you can do where you're like, okay, that doesn't mean I'm going to die. I just am emotionally dying. <laughs> uh, well, that's awfully macabre. I, <laughs> I I don't think I would say I'm emotionally dying. I'm already emotionally dead, so. <laughs> Stop. Oh, my so, gosh. That's cured. I wouldn't say, I would say I'm just experiencing an emotional response. Because I think that's one of the things that happens for us in many, many situations is our emotions are so hyperbolic and dramatic that we collapse that with meaning. So, for example, if we, if we feel hurt by something that happens at work, we oftentimes go, that must mean 
I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not a viable human. I'm not lovable. That you know, I don't deserve friends. We make it this overarching, catastrophic belief about who we are as a person instead of just going, oh, wow, that situation hurt. That hurt. I'm allowed to be in pain. Yeah. I'm allowed to feel through this, and I don't have to make that mean something about my self-worth. And that's actually one of the biggest pieces of what we do in Deep Down and Dirty because damn near everybody who comes into that program has some kind of underlying belief that sounds like that. I'm not enough. I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving of the things that I want in life. I'm too damaged. I'm broken. All of these Mm -hmm. sorts of things that really are, it's a shame feeling. The, The idea behind shame is I am wrong. There's something wrong with who I am. So the belief is... I'm not enough. And then the emotion that we feel is that subsequent shame. And so that's really what we work to unpack because a lot of times we think, oh, I just, as soon as I get this new job, then I'll be happy. Or as soon as I'm partnered, then I'll be happy. Or as soon as I figure out my financial house, then I'll be happy. And what we're doing is we're continually chasing things outside of ourselves to fulfill that piece inside of us that just wants to believe that we are enough. Mm. And I'm not saying that those things aren't viable conquests. I think it's incredibly important to have goals and things that we are shooting for and want to better ourselves. But it's a very different thing to go, I'm going to accomplish that thing because I want to do that versus I'm going to accomplish that so I can be worthy, Mm. so that I can be valuable. And then you get there and you have to chase something fucking else because you aren't rooted internally. Right. You're going, well, that didn't do it. I still don't feel good enough. So better aim high. That's how we get that chronic overachieving or that perfectionism or that death grip on control. So my philosophy is what if we could change that internal narrative where you actually believed that you were enough and then everything that you went for was actually fun to to accomplish because you liked yourself along the way. Right. That uh, sweetens the pie, doesn't it? I, I think it does. For sure. In, I mean, that's that's my perspective. So if you are interested in Deep Down and Dirty and you know that you cannot go into this next year being so riddled with self-doubt, being so consumed about what other people think, being ruled by perfectionism or chronic overachieving and you are coming up empty and you don't want to continue that, then I would implore you to please go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. And I've put together a completely free masterclass for you to check out. Nice. It talks about all of the stuff that we're talking about here today is sort of the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, how all of that works. And I talk about deep down and dirty. And then at the very end of that workshop, which have a pen and paper available, by the way, because you'll want to take copious notes. At the end of the workshop, you'll see an opportunity to talk to a member of my team, book a a call, and discuss if Deep Down and Dirty is a good option for you. Uh, Again, so that is thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, or the link will also be in the show notes. But speaking of goals, I wanted to give a little teaser. Be sure to tune in next week because we will be doing our annual 
goal setting. Post annual. Post. <laughs> As a little dumb and dumber. Yes. Uh, reference Post there. annual. Post annual. Ta, 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 ta. It's a hard one. The. That's a hard one. <laughs> so we will uh, be doing that next week. There's a free planning guide for the new year. It's something we do every single year, and people are like, when's it coming? When's yeah, it coming? I want to yeah, start planning. And I think a lot of us are ready to leave 2020 in the past and start something fresh. And there's always good energy. So little yeah. teaser alert on that. Okay. So we've kind of discussed some of the basic understandings of fear. It is also something that is located in our subconscious mind, meaning it's beneath the conscious mind. Mm. So we don't need to tell our bodies, get afraid or get anxious or freak out right now. It just naturally comes. Yeah. So consciously, we might know, for example, that... There's a dog that is completely tame. It's not going to hurt us at all. But subconsciously, usually in our youth, we have made some sort of association with dogs being dangerous. And so now it's living in that subconscious part of the mind. Yeah. And so it registers as something to be afraid of. Hmm. So it doesn't matter how much you know that logically consciously if the subconscious has already made an association then it overrides it overrides mm. because the subconscious mind is like what is it like 88% of the mind's power versus 12% of the conscious mind yeah so that means subconscious is winning all damn fucking day. That's why in Deep Down and Dirty, we do things that are specifically designed to rewrite those patterns in the subconscious mind. Hmm. One of the ways to do that is through hypnosis. Yeah. Which is a really fascinating. It basically it, fascinating. it takes the critical factor of the mind and it basically puts it to sleep so that you can drop things into the subconscious and make them congruent. For example, what I see a lot of times with people in Deep Down and Dirty is they know that they should believe in themselves. They understand cognitively what I'm saying about self-love or about that we're all worthy, period. But they've got this subconscious narrative that's that's like, no, you weren't mm. good enough. Your dad left or that your first husband hates you and divorced you or what, you know, whatever experiences we've created that we've then made these beliefs. Or you must be beautiful mm. to be loved or you're only good for your intellect or everything has to be hard. All of these beliefs that we carry. And if they are incongruent with what you consciously know, then we, we've got some work to do. And that's and one of the ways to do that is through hypnosis. Another way is through repetition, which is something that we talk about all the time. But a lot of times when we're trying to create a new pattern or a new habit, which habits are in a part of the subconscious, we give up because the repetition is too hard. And the critical right. factor is is 
pipe, you know, piping back at us going, this is stupid. You shouldn't do it. You're not enough. You're not allowed to You believe in yourself or change your relationship with your body. I can't believe you're doing this dumb assignment, blah, blah, blah. And it kicks everything back. And so we give up. And so we don't continue on with the repetition. It's really interesting. I, I find one of the things I've been trying to get to the bottom of is, like, let's say you're in physical therapy, you're getting rehabilitation, and they give you exercises. Yeah. 80 to 90% of people don't do them yeah. the way that they're supposed to be done. And I think it's this. I think they're not getting that immediate, what's the word I'm looking for? Gratification. Gratification. And so they're like, what am I doing here? This is a stupid waste of time. And they don't do them. They have other priorities. That's right. That's right. We do it physically. We do it emotionally. Yeah. And because habits are housed in the subconscious – so those are the things that we have done with enough repetition that we don't even have to think about it anymore. The neural, great, the neural highway is big enough where yes. it just neurons travel easy. An example of that is driving a car. Yeah. When you first learn how to do it, you have to consciously be present. Right. Checking my this, checking my that, being aware, right? Now, subconsciously, once we've we have that, it's in our bones. We don't really even have to think about it much. That's also why we go into hypnosis sometimes when we drive, mm. which is a really interesting phenomenon for anyone who's who is kind of uh, hesitant or unsure of what hypnosis is. You can be I, I'm sure everyone's had this experience where you're driving in a car and you get to your destination, but you don't remember that whole drive. Yeah. That was your your conscious mind was elsewhere. Your subconscious took over. It said, we know how to do this. And it got you to your destination. Yeah. You were in a state of hypnosis. It's wild. It is wild. It's super, super wild. So anyway, all of that is very relative to what we're always doing. We're trying to find this way of, okay, how can I believe in myself? How can I let go of what everybody else yeah. thinks? And I find it really insightful to understand that we're actually wired this way. Right. And to be compassionate with ourselves throughout the journey and also to understand this is something that you do as well in your work is it's going to take fucking repetition. It's going to take time. You don't get to say, oh, I want really ripped abs. And so I'm going to read books on Pilates or I'm going to do one workout. Right? Yeah, like it's, do it. it's the compound effect. It has to be done over and over and over again in order to become the new normal. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I talk about a lot with my students is, you know, as they're starting these new projects of speaking up for themselves or establishing a boundary with somebody who they've never spoken up with before or starting to be kinder to themselves or giving themselves compassion – they're like, is this, does it get easier? And I'm like, yes, it does. It absolutely does. The same way it gets easier working out or doing your PT yeah. or learning a new language. Doing crossword puzzles, whatever, right? It's yeah. with repetition. Yeah. You have to be committed to that part of the journey. But to your point, a lot of our society says quick fix, quick fix, you know, so let me just pop a pill. Right. Let me do whatever I can do to immediately feel good. It's also why we turn to shit like booze or food or zoning out on Netflix. It's an immediate feel good. Right. So 
coming back there a little bit to emotional mm-hmm. intelligence. So let's talk about these four fear responses and their modern iterations. And these are also going to be as far as what to do with them and how to fix them. I'm going to link in the show notes to other pods we've done specifically on them. So first we've got the fight response. This is obviously more combative. You are ready to go to blows, right? More of an aggressive approach. Yeah. Right. Now, the modern iteration of fight is anxiety. That makes sense. So think about if you get your ass handed to you by your boss and what you would really love to do is just knock her the fuck out. Key their car. Right? Yeah. Just do something aggressive. Mm -hmm. That will likely then show up as an anxious feeling. Uh, This might sound familiar where you are ruminating. You're thinking about it over and over and over again in your mind. Like, oh, oh, she was so, I can't believe she said that to me. (laughs) Replaying the story. That's anxiety, right? You're having that anxious response to a threat. So we've got sort of these primitive responses and those are usually what we call on an extreme threat so if we're extremely threatened like some sort of severe abuse or attack by wildlife or some sort of precarious situation like that we likely will fight flee freeze or fawn if we are in a daily threat, just our daily in and out stuff, but we feel threatened by our boss or our spouse or our kids or our bestie or whoever, that will show up as anxiety, depression, procrastination, or people-pleasing. People-pleasing is fawning, huh? It is. So let me break these down a little bit. So then the second one is flight. Yeah. This is is the depression side. Exactly. Flight is abort mission. Get me out of here. I'm going to run from this mountain lion. I'm, I don't know why it's always a mountain lion. <laughs> he used to say saber-toothed tiger. Did I? Yeah. Like being ba- primitive. You know, back, back in the early primitive. days of the pod? Yes. <laughs> back in the primitive days of the podcast. That's funny. I didn't, I didn't know that I had yeah, a, I shifted. that was your go-to. I shifted animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the modern iteration. That's right. So if you <laughs> would be likely to run away from something in a situation, you are more apt now in your current life to have depression. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why people who are depressed tend to go to sleep. They Mm -hmm. want to escape. Escape They they want to run away. I am leaving the current threat. I don't want to be around here. Hmm. Flight turns into depression freeze response this is total paralysis this is sometimes if i stay completely still i'm not going to get attacked or eaten it's playing dead essentially and that could be in a really awful like violent situation where you have to play dead it could be with wildlife it could be a litany of different things Now, we're not usually in those experiences, those extreme threats every day, but daily threats, we might experience a fear of success, fear of failure. So let me just fucking do nothing. Mm. Let me procrastinate. Stagnation, 
and just arresting our productivity. Yeah, interesting. This one is also very closely tied to perfectionism. One of the reasons why we do stay stagnant and procrastinate is because we are afraid of not being perfect. We need it to- We're using that as an excuse to not move forward, right? Yep. We Hmm. need it to look a specific way. We need it to be flawless. And again, that's oftentimes tied back to- I, I'm not enough unless I'm perfect. Hmm. I'm not valuable unless I'm flawless. Which just in and of itself is unattainable. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Have you seen that, that meme that says, I'm perfect, even the words itself say imperfect? Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm like, I love that. Imperfectly imperfect. Perfectly imperfect. Mm. All right. So freeze turns into that procrastination. So looking behind all of these responses, whether it's anxiety, depression, procrastination, or people-pleasing, usually there is some kind of fear. Mm -hmm. I can see it. That's why we're calling in these new iterations of fear responses. So then the final one, which is a little bit newer on the scene – this is the This is new. This is the hottest new fear response, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and it is called Fawn. And mm. this is Are we gonna see this on the runway in Milan or That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's this this season Introducing latest. Fawn. <laughs> well, welcome to the stage. Fawn. Fawn. <laughs> or it's like an American gladiator. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Fawn is basically making friends with the aggressor. Yeah, placating, right? Placating, uh, trying to acquiesce or Mm. feign compliance. Ooh, all these fancy words. Oh, thank you. Lots of fancy words. (laughs) Uh, Feigning compliance in order to gain favor with the aggressor, Mm -hmm. with somebody who is threatening or something that's threatening. I'm not exactly sure how that works responding to animals, but it and these we have all of them, by the way. I think we just tend toward some of them with certain people or with certain instances. Well, um, that is definitely something that is innately in us is if we see a, a mountain lion, mm-hmm. like, it's okay, it's okay, right? <laughs> like we kind of like try to calm it down. Right. Right. Which is not usually very Yeah, successful. I don't know if that one would work too well, but – it is one that we do use. That's or right. Or if a dog comes up to attack, you know, we're like, it's okay, boy, it's okay. Do you want a steak? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get you a steak. Right. What do you need? So what do you think, I already mentioned it a little earlier, the modern iteration of fawn is? Uh, people pleasing. That's right. Yeah, you had said that earlier, yeah. That's right. Just just seeing if you're paying attention. You know, hey. With your half-naked ass over there. <laughs> well, my ass is not half-naked. You, as a human, are half naked right now. <laughs> Thank you for reiterating that. Okay. It's a distracting. I feel like I'm on my game even though you're just You're doing great. Fuck. Okay. You're doing amazing. So people-pleasing, this is one of our coping mechanisms for perceived daily threats. Hmm. Okay. So, for example, we think that our partner is upset with us. 
And so instead of really holding our ground or saying what we really feel, we say what we think they want to hear. Yeah. We placate. We feign compliance mm-hmm. in order to stay safe. So what you have to understand about all of these things is it is a coping mechanism with fear, right? So it's not likely that you're engaging with these extreme threat responses, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, but it is highly likely that you're dealing with these daily lighter threat responses of anxiety, depression, procrastination, and people-pleasing. For sure. So recognizing, first of all, oh, okay, that means there's fear present and starting to dig behind that and go, okay, what is it that I'm really afraid of right now? Hmm. Or what is my perceived threat? That's amazing. That is causing me to respond in this way. And like I mentioned earlier, I have done episodes specifically on anxiety. I have a great one on anxiety hacks. I have um, one I've done on procrastination, why we procrastinate, and I've definitely done some on people-pleasing. I haven't really touched the depression piece because it's out of the scope of coaching and hypnotherapy. Mm. It's a little it's a little touchy of I, I, I don't feel like I'm an equipped practitioner to, to speak on it as in-depth as I am about these other ones. Right. That makes sense. But depression oftentimes is really difficult because it shows up as extreme lack of motivation. Um, I did do, I did do a podcast about lack of motivation and stuff during quarantine. We can link to that one in the show notes as well. That occurs to me when you said that. Because we, a lot of people were feeling depressed, experiencing extreme depression during, you know, the loss of so many freedoms, et cetera. Overall, what I really want you to take away from all of this is, first of all, a compassion for yourself of understanding, oh, my body is just trying to take care of me. These are just coping mechanisms that I am trying to do to stay safe. Mm -hmm. So being loving and recognizing when anxiety, depression, procrastination, or people-pleasing is present, you're just trying to keep safe from some kind of fear. So that second piece is what is the fear? What am I afraid of behind whatever issue this is that's causing one of these responses? And start digging behind that a little bit. And then if you want to have more information on that, check out some of those specific pods to each of those various responses. Sure. And if you want to really dig deeper and you want to change things and you want to pave out new neural pathways in the mind, please go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop and check that out. I think you'll know very quickly my methodology is either for you or it's not. A lot of people go, oh, shit, this is exactly me. And I <laughs> I need to book a call with one of your team members because life's fucking short. I think yeah. we've been really seeing that this year. Right. And I'll be damned if I'm going to not live this life to its fullest. Got one life, baby. That's right. All right. So I'm hoping that's helpful. Anything else you wanted to throw in the mix, baby doll? Uh, no, I don't think so. Cool. Thank you for asking. Thank you for, for your contribution as always. You know. And we will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Ms. and Mr. Smith, out.